So it's like, on the one hand, they're saying, we're not going to take liability. On the other hand, they're saying, but chill out and enjoy this beta. And on the other hand, they're not giving them the tools or the training to be able to identify and stay aware enough that they don't get in those accidents. So it's creating a, a bit of a vicious circle for the for the owner and anyone else who's kind of happens to be in that vehicle's way. Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I am the communications director for Partners for Automated Vehicle Education, as well as the author of Ludicrous, the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors. And I'm Alex Roy, the director of special operations at Argo AI, whom I do not represent on this show, as well as uh, the, the producer of Apex, the secret race across America. And I am Kirsten Korosek, transportation editor at TechCrunch. Alex, I never know how you're going to introduce yourself, which is why it's always exciting when we get together to have a news show, because I just don't know what's going to happen. He's got like 30 titles to choose from, so he can he just- does, He does, he does. He has 30 business cards. But you know, I, I read somewhere that the, the when you really have made it, you have no titles, you, or one. Editor at large. Just something, you know. And you Techno look at, king. You look at LinkedIn- and it, some of these people, it's unbelievable. But the one thing that doesn't want, does not, never going to work with me is digital pirate. Oh, right. That's not going to work. You're like a um, special ops ninja, I think. Uh, hey, listen, uh, you know, let's not talk about me. Let's move on <laughs> to the news. Let's, let's move down well, to the news. Well, I, I'm, I'm leading this discussion and, and you'll be shocked, shocked and awe because I think that we should talk about Tesla. Which what? is not what I should do. Please do. Normally, I'm just not interested. So, so whenever I want to talk about Tesla, it's oh my god, we can't talk about Tesla again. But but now you want to, and I mean, well, of course you're I'm not going to object. Well, Ed, so. you're a tool of big oil, so you know we can't. Correct. Trust you. Also, you yeah. find a way to make a conversation about like e-bikes and turn it into a conversation about Tesla. So in this case, it's relevant. And I think the relevancy is what matters here. And okay. And what I'm talking about is, you know, Tesla's quote unquote FSD or full self-driving and the interest and sort of there, there's a number of stories really, but it all comes down to what we've talked about on the show numerous times, which is that full self-driving is not self-driving and that there will be a, a coming storm, if you will, uh, on the regulatory side, because there's only so long that Tesla can talk about this without producing results. <laughs> Is there? There doesn't seem to be any any end to which. I mean, it's been going since 2016, fall 2016. They don't, I mean, I was actually just finally catching up on a, a couple of, of beta videos. And like, these things are very clearly a long way from, from self-driving. And yet there are a lot of people who remain as convinced as ever that that this is real. But um, I think the big the big news that really affected this, and I think this is one of the things you're referring to, is the, the DMV correspondence, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's what kind of has recently sparked my interest, a renewed interest into this, because like you said, it's this has been going on for a long time. And, you know, I'm not really in the uh, interested Comedy in getting... Business. I'm not really interested in getting in debates with like, um, you know, a Tesla owner about whether it is or is not a full self driving because I'm a Tesla owner <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only, but, the only honest Tesla owner. Right. But, um, but I am interested once 
agencies like the DMV and that correspondence comes to light because what's most interesting is that Tesla itself acknowledges that. Um, so to me that this is a classic case of a company marketing something, um, using terminology to get people excited about something. Um, and it's, you know, very high profile CEO, but it, internally they acknowledge that what is being at least what the name of the product suggests is not the reality. And that is to what, what is the most interesting to me. Yeah, let me, let me read one of these emails. Sorry, Alex, I'll, I'll let you. Actually, I was going to offer the deliciousness of reading one of those emails. And let me just say for our audience, every time I reread the exact words of Tesla's um, attorney, um, I want to drink that feeling. I want to drink that feeling. All right. So I'm going to read a, an email from the DMV to Tesla. And Alex, you read Tesla's one of their replies. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I just, this is just so hilarious. It's, it's a, um, and this is from the, the deputy director and chief counsel at uh, the California DMV. He says, uh, Al, we've seen press reports that Mr. Musk announced on Twitter that a Tesla holiday software update has uh, FSD uh, sneak preview. Um, many people, and this is the part that kills me, many people generally translate FSD to be full self-driving. Is Tesla releasing full self-driving software update to any California Tesla owners? As you're aware, the deployment of autonomously driven vehicles on public roads in California requires a permit. Um, at this time, Tesla does not have such a permit. So, um, Alex, what, what, was, what was Tesla's response to this uh, hilarious? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't have the uh, sequential uh, email in front of me. Well, get, just skip to the good stuff then. Uh, the, the good stuff for me is, is this statement. Um, so Tesla refers to uh, this thing called they call city streets, FSD city streets, which is I hadn't heard city streets as a new official term for something. So F full self driving city streets, um, and their their uh, the question they got from the DMV was, um, blah, 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 blah. will the limitations associated uh, described in a letter yada, yada be part of the final release of FSD city streets to the general public? And Tesla, the key line here from Tesla is. A final release of City Streets will continue to be SAE Level 2 driver assistance. So my $10,000 got me a really fancy driver assistance system. You bought FSD? I did. I mean, he, oh he, he discussed this. He said he wanted to, to just see <sighs> it, right? As Let it me happened. tell you. Can you just you send me a check yet, for $10,000? I, I feel like it might be the best $10,000 I ever spent as a uh, as someone who was skeptical of Tesla's claims because no one can say that I haven't invested the time and money <laughs> and personally taken the hit to find out that full self-driving is not full self-anything. Yeah. I see. So, of course, uh, you know, as usual, the, the fans see this and they say, well, you know, this doesn't complete, right? Like the, the mental gymnastics have been quite the sight to behold. Um, people are saying, well, you know, maybe the city streets beta will always be a driver assistance system, but that doesn't mean that Tesla doesn't have some other actually autonomous product out there, which. Allow me to read from the next paragraph of Tesla's response uh, to the DMV. And it's fascinating. Okay. Please note that Tesla's true autonomous features, which I guess, True autonomy is different from full self-driving. So, uh, Tesla's development of true autonomous features will follow their iterative process 
and any such features will not be released to the general public until they've been fully validated, yada, yada, regulatory permits and upgrades. Uh, so basically, uh, there, is some, there is something else, which is what truly autonomous that is different from full self-driving city streets. Um, so everybody from a nomenclature standpoint has been had. Um, so I, I, what I'd like to know is whenever Tesla releases that other thing years from now, w- will I just get it for free because I already paid 10K? Because that's the only way that works. But will you have your vehicle still 10 years not. from now or five years? Right. So what is it applied no. to? You it, know? It's a, well, it's, I'm going to apply it to my the class action suit I'm going to join. Um, <laughs> because you know, I, I, there's probably a case, a legal case to be made that a reasonable time, like if you sell me a car and I paid for a feature and the average lifespan of a vehicle, how often do people keep a car on average? You must know, Ed. 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. That's the average like the time one person. Right now, yeah. yeah. It's been, it's been climbing a lot the last, just the last five years. Okay. So, uh, then the people who paid for it in 2016 have got, uh, you know what, five more years during which they should get a vehicle that they can sleep in the back of. Yeah. yeah. Except that, except that, I mean, so to me, one of the really critical factors here and Kirsten, I'm actually very curious sort of what your interpretation of what's going on here is. But like to me, the the part of this that really that often gets left out, and I think is super relevant, is the comedy. Um, with the fact that that Elon Musk has said that it would be eighteen to twenty four months away, like six or seven times in the last right, like basically every year he said eighteen months, eighteen to twenty four months, um, or 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 less, um, and and it's never been true. So like to me. It's just so obvious that that you know he got over his skis and and sold something that that doesn't and probably can't exist, and that now he's trying to use word games to to sort of get out of it. But like Kirsten, I'm I'm curious what how, how do you interpret this situation? Well, when you first of all, when you say word games, do you mean by calling it beta or by placing well, different labeling on it? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, well, by by having a, something called right, they, they started taking money for for something called full self driving, mm-hmm. um, and then they you know release things that you know the, the FSD beta, right? So it's the beta of full self driving. It's the product, and then there's also city streets, and it's like you know what what the the fanboy sort of position depends on the the assumption that you know. Either there will be a fully autonomous version of this later, even though Tesla pretty clearly says that that it won't, or that there's some other autonomous product that will come. But basically, right, like if if Are you trying to bait Kirsten Korosek, a legitimate journalist, into <laughs> taking a position on this. I'm I'm curious. She's she's an, an experienced and as you say, deeply credible person. I'm just I just want to know how how she interprets this. Like, like reporters have to make sense of the stories that they're covering. How how do you make sense of this, Kirsten? To make sense of it, I think that we need to go to Elon Musk's Twitter, and um, which always provides, you know, clarifying statements. I think that what it, how I interpret this is that he is not a. It's more of a prediction than an interpretation, I guess. But I don't think he's backing down at all, and he's absolutely um, leaning on nomenclature. And again, this teasing factor of it's coming, it's coming, and he's going to stay 100% committed to that and will continue to do that even if there is a lawsuit, even if there is action on the regulatory side. Because 
to reverse that position would be a huge error on their part as a company. Um, I found it incredibly interesting to me that he, um, he not only doubled down on the whole FSD beta, um, there was a buried lead there. Uh, this was back on March 12th. He said it's been expanded to 2,000 owners. So that's them saying, look, there's proof that we've expanded this now, right? That we're delivering this product, which the important thing here is that they can recognize revenue. Um, I hope but, that Kirsten grabs onto what I'm thinking. Go on. But then they've also revoked beta where drivers didn't pay sufficient yes! attention to the yes! road. Which, again, is a way of them saying, look, we're going to be responsible. Hey, we can tell what's happening here. But then at the end, he, after saying that the next significant release is going to be in April, again, showing that they're, quote unquote, delivering a product, he says, we're going to go pure vision, not even using radar. Yeah. So to me, this is, I I personally think bearing the lead here, and I know Alex, you're interested in that they're kicking, revoking beta from drivers, but I'm actually interested in the fact that they're pulling radar out and planning on doing this with Pure Vision. Well, which do you want to talk about first? I think the whole revoking beta drivers thing we can talk about first, but I think that that's just silly distraction to other stuff. Of course, they're going to say that they're revoking it because then they seem like they're being responsible. He said in a subsequent tweet, that they were using the in-cabin camera. Did you see that? Did he Did he say that? What about Model S and Model X? They don't have an in-cabin. Um, somebody, I saw a thread, maybe my, my I saw a thread where uh, he says cabin, ca- so cabin camera, someone else says, oh, what about S and X? So um, I'm going to guess that they're not using the camera or if they are only on the three and the Y. But I think that they could just, they have some, they have the data. Uh, they know when FSD beta is engaged, and they know that there's an excessive number of, in, of involuntary disengagements. Um, so, uh, and they, like anyone else, knows when a, when a driver voluntary disengages versus involuntary disengages. And so, there are obviously some outliers. They had to they had to remove them. Well, By the way, the fact that they have to remove them is a major. It's a serious indication of a problem, and I can you know I. I I'm starting to talk a little bit more publicly about like the test specialist training that I went through at Argo, uh, but all the, the legitimate, the, the companies that take safety and autonomous vehicle testing seriously have, you know, rigorous training programs and filters. So because you don't want to have your beta testers um, routinely having disengagements that are involuntary. That's a bad sign because if you're properly trained, you would, and the system is, you know, robust during development, the safety drivers would know when to preemptively disengage in order to avoid an involuntary disengagement. And so none of that happens with Tesla beta testers. Like there's no, or at least there's no evidence at all that they go through any kind of training program. Um, And that's not optimal. And and there's no, there's no evidence either that, that, They've actually done that. Like, I'm, I'm wondering, is someone actually going to come forward and say, yes, I had my FSD revoked? Um, because I haven't seen anyone complain about it. Well, that's because um, they all sign non-disclosures. And if you're a Tesla fan, Stan, and you have access to the beta program and it got revoked, you're, you're not going to 
you're not going to screw that because you want to maintain, you know, future relations with Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it, but, but what I was going to say is that, um, unfortunately there's, there's these like parallel, but conflicting purposes here that are happening, which is on the one hand, Tesla's like putting the liability still stays with the driver but they're encouraged to, you know, be using this beta and not necessarily be watching closely or, you know, they're not trained in that aspect as far as we know. But as Alex just pointed out, then that puts you, if you're not trained in that capability, to preemptively be looking for certain cues, then the likelihood of you missing something and either disengaging or re-engaging in the incorrect fashion and causing an accident or not being ready if something were to happen, it just, the risk level just increases exponentially. So it's like, on the one hand, they're saying, we're not going to take liability. On the other hand, they're saying, but chill out and enjoy this beta. And on the other hand, they're not giving them the tools or the training to be able to identify and stay aware enough that they don't get in those accidents. So it's creating a, a bit of a vicious circle for the for the owner and anyone else who's kind of happens to be in that vehicle's way. I think one of the subtexts here is another story that that just came out, which is oh, that yeah. um, NTSB has not completely, right? So NTSB mm-hmm. did really in this country, in the US, is really the only body that's really thoroughly investigated on autopilot. Uh, in my view, uh, or this public, certainly a public one, they they investigated a number of crashes, including fatal ones. They had really, you know, they've had the same recommendations every single uh, time. And and the last time, so about a year ago, um, their last hearing that they held on this, sort of summing up uh, not just the most recent investigation, but all of them, um, it, they were furious not just at at Tesla for for basically refusing to engage in the investigation at all, but also with with uh, NHTSA. Um, they said that NHTSA had pretty signally failed to just even take the issue seriously as as they could. Um, we now know it was re- just recently reported that NTSB has uh, again communicated with NHTSA um, and sort of encouraged them to take driving automation regulation more seriously. Um, so that is certainly interesting, and because and a lot of people don't know this, but. But NHTSA back in 2016, actually shortly after the Josh Brown case, NHTSA put out an enforcement guidance that covers uh, uh, automated driving systems or, or automated safety systems, and and basically said that you know they have a ton, gave themselves a ton of leeway to um, interpret uh, foreseeable misuse as uh, that presents an unreasonable safety risk as a, the, to to term that a defect and force a recall. Um, they have that power. Um, my what they what they haven't really had is their own in-house sort of evidence for that, but NTSB sort of continuing to push on this, um, and you have a, a new uh, administration running DOT now. Um, it's certainly possible that this new administration will take NTSB more seriously. In which case, in theory, um, you know, regulatory action could happen at any time. So to me, that's like the the subtext for the. We're monitoring people and 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 kicking them off the beta thing. As I think they, to me, it seems like Tesla is is trying to signal that it this is more under their control than than they'd sort of 
So, <laughs> so I think that there's the one thing that they might, well, maybe they're preparing for, but they, if they ha- aren't already, they should, which is that I think that other automakers will absolutely throw Tesla under the bus if they can in to avoid m- more regulation. Um, either they'll do one of two things, throw Tesla under the bus and say that they're an outlier and a problem and don't ruin it for the rest of us or agree to the types of regulations that they're already prepared to meet because they tend to be more careful and cautious anyway. And that Tesla will have a really hard time uh, adhering to while still putting out its beta product. I, I just see like so many automakers are getting deeper into the ADAS space and really want to compete with Tesla. Um, and, and the, set like sensors and other tools of ADAS are becoming commoditized and prices are lowering. So it just see this, this coming wave, it already exists with this continued coming wave of greater automated driving capabilities within an ADAS system. So I know I'm being a little bit weird with the nomenclature there, but there's, there's more robust ADAS systems. Um, Why would they want to give up market share? by potentially having Tesla ruin it for them. So I just see that I just see automakers like taking more of a stance and happily kind of throwing Tesla under the bus for this one. Are we Tesla out, my friends? Well, do you have any comments on that or do you think I'm wrong? No, I think you're right. And um, it's okay to disagree with me. I mean, if you think, I think that's a right. bad call. No, and I think that this latest Tesla crash with the vehicle that went underneath a truck in Michigan, I believe, in the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that if that vehicle was had autopilot engaged, I think that could be, I mean, that could be the, the stone that broke the camel's back here because then under a new administration, they just can't let that kind of thing go on. And I think this is like the 14th investigation that NHTSA has done of, of an individual um, Tesla crash, but like we've never really gotten gotten any kind of results out of that before one we move- thing, oh yeah there was one other aspect of this i wanted to discuss before we before we move on which is just the the getting rid of radar thing yeah. to me this also this is super super revealing i think right like we know the most basic thing that that you can essentially know about autonomous vehicles one of them is that you know more the more sensor the more sensor modalities the more redundant and diverse the sensor modalities are the better, right? This is why AVs look the way they do and and are the way they are. And by AVs, I mean vehicles that are actually on public roads driving themselves. Um, and so, so there's no, I mean, look, the, the ADAS or the, the the radar that Tesla uses is not like the most sophisticated radar ever. It's it was really designed for for ADAS application for adaptive cruise control, basically, and so. It's certainly understandable that it might not be, you know, a huge make or break thing the way it, you know, it could be if they had like the latest and greatest in radar. But there's no re- technical reason why you wouldn't at least want to have that radar there as redundancy. It is, after all, a deterministic sensor modality, right? Where it's not relying on machine learning um, to make, you know, probabilistic inferences about about what it you know might need to avoid it, it it's a time of flight right very very deterministic 
um, modality. Why they wouldn't at least keep that as as redundancy backup, basically, um, I, I can't understand it. And to me, the only explanation for for this move that makes any sense is the same one that, frankly, like explains all of it, which is that you know he's pushing a narrative. Basically, this, that full self driving is is not a real thing. It's a narrative. It's an idea, and that he's trying to keep the idea as viable you know, as, as it can be as long as possible. And at this point, being different than everyone else is a strength. Um, and, and particularly selling people on the, on the, the belief that, that they can do this 100% with vision and that they have some kind of like AI breakthrough. And he said some other weird stuff about like how they're solving the majority, like it sort of almost implied that, that it's basically like artificial general intelligence or like approaching that kind of level. And I, again, I, the only reason I can think of to 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 say the things that he said is just you know to to try and keep convincing to bluff that that they're doing this uh, in the way that nobody else can. I got nothing to add to that because I, you know, I would be uncomfortable getting into a vehicle, especially at highway speeds, actually at any speed that it was not equipped with radar. I just, no. And lighter. I mean, right? There's there's a reason that, that well, people I mean, don't just yeah, agree. I mean, what I mean today, you, you can get in a vehicle and you can use adaptive cruise control. And most people use radar and camera. Subaru uses camera only. Uh, a family member has a Subaru and it works quite well. But I still feel a little hanky. Makes me a little hanky. Subaru doesn't have any radar at all? From what I can tell, the adaptive cruise is camera only. It uses a twin camera system uh listen if it, i would always given just my history racing cars doing the cannonball doing all that stuff the more technology i can put between myself and a bad outcome i'm i'll pay for it absolutely i'll pay for it and i don't care if it takes longer to get it i don't care if it costs more if it's my family and my safety I, i'm i will pay whatever it costs to have put more technology to mitigate risk so first i mean for Subaru and other automakers, I mean, typically we can think of sensors are also used for like low speed parking applications and things like that, though, right? I mean, you um, wouldn't. Ultrasonic sensors. Uh, right, right. Yeah. So is that like, you know, I, I, I'm just curious to me, the tweet about, which is why I pulled it, pulled it up originally when we started this discussion was that it was like a bit bearing the lead on the pure vision play. Again, this idea of that I would agree with you, Ed, is sort of this super futuristic, look how ahead we are from everyone else, these old stodgy legacy automakers and autonomous vehicle companies. We are going pure camera, you know, like that. that is a narrative that is obviously very effective because people are excited about it. Yeah, but you know how, and and to me the the thing that's just bizarre is is how long this this has been able to and and continues to just go on. And again, I mean, I you know I have a list that I've been, been tweeting fairly regularly of just like every time Elon Musk has made a prediction about when this would be ready. Um, and I I just don't know why anyone gives him any benefit of the doubt at this point, given how consistently wrong. I mean, there's literally nobody else in the business has made as many wrong public pronouncements about. about right. But he, they, they give him, and then we should move on. 
They give him leeway because he is smart enough to publicly say, you know, I can be off on timelines, huh? but I deliver eventually. And so it's become this very insidery. We're part of Elon's circle, um, you know, inside joke type of banter. And so they just believe that, well, he always delivers. But actually, if you were to look at everything that he's promised, he hasn't always delivered. But because he, quote unquote, owns it, right? Whoops. Um, because he owns it, he um, he controls he controls that a little bit better. Yeah. So so one of the, the fascinating things uh, sort of transitioning to our, our next topic, but kind of relevant you know, Elon, Elon Musk and Tesla, they say they're going to do full self-drive, right? Level five autonomy with camera only. Um, meanwhile, uh, driver assistance systems, uh, as we just heard from from Omar Kalof of, uh, of Innoviz, um, but but driver assistance and sort of, you know, moving into to sort of level three is is now where, you know, a lot of uh, LiDAR companies are, are targeting. So it's fascinating to me that, uh, that uh, you know, rather than sort of, even stripping ADAS down to the very, to just camera, you're actually seeing as they want to get more capabilities in there, you're actually seeing LiDAR going from something that was like, oh, just that really expensive sensor that's only on robo taxis or whatever to something that now they want to put on production vehicles. So Curious. I have a question for you about that. Or I got for a both question. What? No, you first. So do you remember a few years ago when we were interviewing uh, the folks at Velodyne? And it was quite a few years ago now. Yes. And they, they definitely said to us, um, and this isn't necessarily just on the show. I'd have to go back and look, but at one point the discussion was about whether they were pushing for LIDAR to become a sort of a mandatory um, sensor on a vehicle, just like seatbelts are mandatory. And I have to wonder with so many LIDAR companies, uh, going public so much money now in the game so many automakers now deciding about you know to take on lidar at least maybe even on the development side and then with the cases of volvo on the production side there's got to be a push happening right now at the federal government level to have lidar become a mandatory uh, like a mandatory feature in in a vehicle don't you think Hmm. It's pretty prescriptive. The U.S. generally doesn't get that prescriptive. I mean, I would say that would be something that if it's going to happen, it would happen at Congress. I don't see NHTSA making such a prescriptive and non-technology neutral decision um, themselves, like through the regulatory process. Alex, what do you think? Uh, I think that the elephant in the room that I've still not heard anyone confront this issue is A, if you have a level three vehicle, Okay, and you're going to move switch modes from human operated to machine operated. Okay, uh, then you have to have a transition management system. You can call it whatever you want. I call it you can call it TMS. Um, that that fuses a driver monitoring system um, with the uh, autonomy system. It fuses it in such a way that the transition is safe. I to this day I've never. I'm not even aware that there's a startup specializing in this, and I'm surprised. I imagine that what's happening is inside the tier ones, 
um, and the OEMs, there is some is that teams are being stood up around building this from you know, cooking this pie every time, and that this is not yet the domain uh, of like a single person with expertise or even a single company with focus. And that is, if I'm wrong, please email me, pitch me. I want to hear about it. If you look at what happened with, like, look at the implementation of the Seeing Machines driver monitoring system in the, in the Cadillac and that beautiful steering wheel that went in the uh, CT6 with the mode lamp on the wheel. So that there's an example of like, a team at Cadillac, and I met some of those folks, did a really good job implementing that DMS and integrating it with the rest of the UX. It was, a, it was good. Um, I have not yet seen that level of, I don't know, elegance anywhere else. I mean, we, we know that Seeing Machines has gone into other cars. BMW has got it in, on one model. And there's more coming and Ford's got something coming. I hope those implementations move past this. But somewhere down the road, someone's going to have to come up with a, dry, with a transition monitoring, transition management system. And may, I don't know if I'm going to say a standard, but certainly a best practice. And it's going to have to be around the length of time between the uh, initiation of um, the autonomy. So I'm driving and I want to engage the autonomy. Um, when does that happen? How long after I choose to initiate? What, what does the vehicle do? Does it stop and then I get into the back, or, but the critical one is machine back to human. So it's operating in autonomous mode. Human must be notified. How long is that? Is that notification? What does the vehicle do? Does it stop and wait for the human to get in so our driver monitoring system can verify they're engaged, cognitively engaged, or does it do it in motion? And I, where is the, whatever research is around this, it isn't it's been shared publicly. And so whenever a Tesla fan. You know, says level three is right around the software update away. Like I, I don't block them, but <sighs> there's nothing else they say is of any value in a conversation. So that's my take on this. Yeah. Okay, well, that had nothing to do with the lidar question I asked, but that was nothing. very, very interesting. So I'll, I will stick to what you were just talking about. Do you think that a driver monitoring system will be something that will be required in vehicles in the U.S. Um, or even in Europe, um, because it's it's you could take different technological approaches to it, right? So it's not picking a winner and loser necessarily. But do you see any movement or talk or chatter about if you're going to have a certain level, um, level three, maybe? I'm not. I don't love using levels, but we'll use it in this case. That it also your vehicle also has to have a driver monitoring system. So I I, I suggest that we should we should have three guests on really soon. Uh, one of them should be uh, what's his name? I, I I feel horrible saying this. That guy we like from Seeing Machines, <laughs> um, because Seeing Machines is you know working in Europe on the Euro NCAP stuff, and Euro NCAP five star rating, ratings will require DMS. And I, my understanding, and I could be wrong, is that it's not going to be prescriptive. But if Seeing Machines is, they probably know the answer to that one. We should have somebody from one of the other companies that's like a you know primary competitor. I don't know, Smart Eye or one of the other guys. And we should probably Colin have, uh, we can have Colin Barnon on for sure. Uh, he can wrap it up for us. And then and and so we'll know what's in the market now and what's likely to happen. And then of course we can invite our friends from Adam back to talk about what the next show will look like. I'm fascinated by all of this. What I what I I suspect will happen 
is that um, it will, they will not be prescriptive. There will no, not be a DMS standard. It will only be that you have to have one. And then for, the, for however many years, manif- uh, OEMs will be behind the scenes arguing that theirs is safer. And then someone's going to have a crash using a DMS in a vehicle that is suboptimal, like a torque-only DMS. Tesla's going to say torque-only is fine. And mm-hmm. then someone else is going to say, but can- our camera makes our system safer. And it's going to be three to five more years of haggling about this. So, I mean, I don't, are, are there any automakers that are like coming out with new, especially like real, like level two plus kind of, uh, and, and above systems that don't have, uh, camera based driver monitoring. I'm not think, aware of it. I think they all do have camera based driver. Mon- I mean, it, it, it's the way to go and they'll probably, there'll be a debate around privacy. I asked Colin Barnon once and we should get Colin on the show to discuss this. I asked him one time, what about privacy? What do people complain about privacy? And his, his answer was that the, uh, you know, power is at such a premium in a vehicle. And so is space that the DMS, the DMS systems are, are designed to be the lightest, smallest, physical form factor, drawing as little power as possible with often no onboard storage, if I, if I recall. Uh, and so privacy is more, there's actually a technical issue with, with that's uh, uh, kind of baked in. And anyway, let's, we'll get Colin on. Colin, if you're listening, expect my phone call. <laughs> we'll be in touch. That's, by the um, way, Colin Barnden of Semicast Research, who uh, does some really good work on DMS, DMS analysis. So. Yeah. And I think, I think this topic is really important because, and like, I know the the frustration with Tesla is that Tesla tends to make everything right. Everything is about just about Tesla, and is it good for Tesla or is it bad for Tesla? And I think more and more, uh, especially when you look at all of these plans, right? So, so I just spoke with uh, uh, Austin from Luminar. They're they're partnering with Zensect, which is uh, like former Vianeer Zenuity spinoff, um, and and they're creating basically a, 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 a hardware software package um, to enable, yeah, like basically level three or human out of the loop driving on, on, uh, on the freeway. Um, and so like, this is going to be a big thing, right? There's gonna be more and more capability. And I think that if you look at sort of how poorly um, the Tesla situation has been handled so far, um, you know, you sort of apply that, you know, and, and, and even just, you know, there hasn't been a ton of deaths, but there have been deaths. And you start to think about, you know, most premium cars all of a sudden having not just level two, but even, you know, level three. Um, the HMI issues in this are going to just get bigger and bigger and more and more problematic. And so I think that, you know, if I'm the new administration facing four years, right, um, by the end of the end of this term, there's going to be a lot more highly automated vehicles on public roads belonging to consumers. You want, you want us a real comedy, Ed? The real comedy is all the Tesla fans claiming that DMS is unnecessary because FSD is almost here. But if, but when they learn that that the camera in cabin may have been used to knock out unsafe beta testers, it's the best thing ever. In cabin camera, best thing ever. And yeah. some of them are even asking if it can be uh, turned on for Zoom calls. But we should move on to the next topic, my friends, because the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Yeah. Um, Lordstown Motors. It's a short one. It is. Yeah, I mean, Hindenburg Research just continues to to take scalps, don't they? Yeah. Well, go ahead, Alex. I know no, you have no. a hot take. I know it's you have you. a hot take. No, Kirsten, it's you. What I was going to say was, I'd love to hear what Alex has to say about Lordstown Motors. No one could have predicted this. Back to you, Kirsten. <laughs> um, I think that I. <laughs> 
Uh, there's it's it's an it's a short topic, right? Um, if if you read through the whole Hindenburg research document, there's some really kind of crazy hilarious. Things. Um, including my favorite is the 911 call and the photos of a completely burned out prototype vehicle that burst into flames after the first 10 minutes. Love it. Um, but I think which was more damning and I don't know how they're going to get out of this. Um, but you know, Steve Burns, the CEO telling, you know, kind of admitting to the wall street journal that yes, we did pay people to um, make these pre-orders, but that is to assess market demand, which is <laughs> a really funny um, kind of rationalization there. You know, I think anytime, I think it's just a really good reminder with any company that we're writing about or just reading about, or for you out there in the audience, maybe investing in, I don't invest in a single company or hold any equities of any company in the tech auto sphere. I have mutual funds and a 401k. But for anyone who's investing in these companies too, be very mindful of promises and words like non-binding and pre-orders. Um, these can be used to help get raise more funds, help pump stock, um, help recruit, help, uh, you know, spur market demand, but they aren't necessarily real. And we're seeing this a lot with these companies, many of which have become, you know, publicly traded or on the verge of what because of a uh, merger with the special purpose acquisition company. I will say this about the situation, um, this short seller research uh, that, that's been coming out just in the last year. I mean, obviously, right, it's a it's a symptom of the sort of bubble that we're in. Um, but having a little personal experience with this, uh, it's scary that we don't have very many people uh, in journalism that that really are able to do, and I don't mean just in terms of their capability individually, Time. but have the support from, from media outlets to do investigative work on automotive stuff specifically. I think this is just showing that there's tons of opportunity out there. And um, if I were... Uh, an editor, I would, I would certainly be looking for, um, for folks who could do invest, who could just sort of start digging because I'm sure there are many, many more uh, many, examples of this. And it's, it's not more. cool to let short sellers have all the fun. <laughs> Agree. Uh, so uh, have you noticed Nikola has been spiking in the last couple of days? People have been buying Nikola stock. It's incredible. I, I hate to say this. I hate to appear biased because I'm not that kind of guy, but mm. Someone did crack a joke last week and said, well, you know, it's amazing. You know, GM, so smart, uh, missing on Rivian, but getting in with Nikola and Lordstown. Well, I think okay, I'm not going to defend GM in here at all, but I will say this. I, the Lordstown Motors thing was uh, an investment. It, there was some cash, but then it was mostly this in-kind investment from handing over the factory, which at the time was like a, a – freaking political hot potato, closing, not allocating the factory, all these people coming out of work. Then all of a sudden this other company comes along and basically GM handed over the factory with a lot of the, my understanding is a lot of the tooling inside um, as well, or some of the, you know, some of the, uh, they didn't strip the factory clean. 
that was for them at the time, kind of a politically necessary win. Obviously it was an oversight that maybe they didn't realize would come back and bite them, but this wasn't, you know, investing $500 million into a company. This is kind of a, oh crap, there's a lot going down about uh, U.S. workers and um, outsourcing and all this other stuff, or here's this opportunity for us to to solve that problem. So it was a, like a near term solution. Like when Toyota basically ended up essentially giving Tesla their factory, right? Correct, it was the similar right. thing where they'd been kind of dumped with it, and and it was politically going to be a challenge, and so they gave it to a local company. Um, right. Tesla obviously a little more successful so far than, right. than Lordstown, but um, yeah. I mean, I think well, that um, the issue with Lordstown in general is that, you know, Workhorse has also struggled over its life. Workhorse is started by the same person. Um, there's these troubles aren't difficult to spot. Um, and so if workhorse wasn't really doing well, why would Lordstown work? I mean, there's, there was a lot of red flags when I, um, covered the reveal of that, um, of that pickup truck when it turned into a political rally and it was being used as a political rally. And that's when I personally was like, what's going on here with this company? All right, my friends, um, we're, this clock is ticking. Was there anything yep. else you wanted to discuss? Last Last thing is um, just our uh, friend Oliver Cameron from Voyage um, has sold to uh, our friends at Cruise. So well, uh, congratulations. Friends loosely. I I'm know. I was like, <laughs> what's this friends I mean, thing? I, I, Everyone I feel, knows you guys, don't, you guys don't have friends. but uh, we don't, again, I don't have I feel, friends. Uh, I feel like Nostradamus because I said You keep a long saying time, this, but I think the rest of us also have said that it's consolidation. So you cannot take all the credit for it. But only I have a reach for the mantle of Nostradamus and, and oh, tried sure. to read that. <laughs> so, right. I, yeah, good, good for all. Well, first of all, Oliver Cameron, one of the, uh, if you had to pick like uh, someone who, when he tweets about self-driving tech, you're like, oh, he's telling the truth. I like this guy. Well, it's Oliver. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like he's like the, the yin to the yang of Musk. In, in a way, because like who else is on social media seeing anything about self-driving? Like who actually like, you know, leads a company doing it? Because most of the uh, leadership of these companies are fairly quiet, um, except Musk. And so uh, I'm happy for Oliver. Yep. Yeah, Oliver's super active on Twitter and he's generally like sort of supportive of what everyone's doing. And so he's kind of like, you know, the nice guy of of avs um to me you Wait, know i thought that was me no not definitely me. not <laughs> neither I, one of you i'm gonna vote for my friend brian seleski but you know i'm not brian is also well brian is also a nice guy and he's earnest for sure um but i think he all of social media <laughs> he doesn't do social media so yeah. we're we're qualifying this i'll tell you this i if if I know I read your piece about it, uh, about the acquisition, and read between the lines, and it would appear that Cruz is going to shut down the voyage operations in the villages, which yeah, is disappointing. I mean, you, don't, you don't need to read between the lines. I mean, they're <laughs> going to shut down the villages. I'll say this, Oliver, um, that's too bad, but all, the value there is really is in Oliver himself because he is a wonderful communicator. Uh, for just AV in general. And that, that's something that Cruz has not had. 
So, so I think mm-hmm. it's interesting, you know, Oliver is going to be doing his VP of product and he's basically going to be working on everything that touches the customer side of the business. And on my first thought was no one's doing that now. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you're saying that because if he's marching and becoming head of product, it would appear that you're right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other thought was the villages piece. Uh, so, you know, I, I know that it's like a big win, big risk, but big reward. If you can nail like a super urban complex environment, like San Francisco, but I always sort of, um, thought that the villages was a really interesting and very clear, you know, customer use case application, it's too bad that it's going to be going away. And it'll be curi- I'll be curious to see if any other company steps up and takes over that contract. Um, if there's other partners out there, you could definitely see, you know, another company maybe picking up. I agree. Um, and uh, there, are, there aren't enough examples of uh, ABs being used to really have a, a positive social impact, which I think that's was sort of one of the unique things about, uh, about that. But we Speak are out of time. Speak for yourself, Ed. We do have to go... <laughs> Come on down. Oh, that's Tune Alex's in. line usually. Uh, all right, Again, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta next go. week yeah. for another episode of the Atonicast. <laughs> <laughs>